The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. I wasn't supposed to be here today. Name the movie. It sounds familiar, but I'm drawing a blank right now. Die Hard? Way off. Good. I I can't put a cohesive thought together. Clerks. Oh, God. Oh. Okay. I'm talking about me. I understand. Wasn't supposed to be here today, but I wanted to be here for at least a few minutes. Because I couldn't just escape the radio station on a game day and not do a little Mitch Palm. Now... After Mitch Palm, I will have to hit the road. Manhattan Girls Basketball tonight taking on number four, Topeka High. That's going to be an online-only broadcast since it's just the one game. Online-only at NewsRadioKMan.com at 6 o'clock sharp is when we're flipping the stream over for uh, Manhattan Girls Basketball at T-High. But we do have a full two hours of the game. Troy Coverdale to my right. Big Steve across the glass. David G is out sick. Before we get to Mitch Palm, I saw lovely K-State Twitter out there today discuss it wasn't a whole lot of discussion just a few of them shared this tweet from earlier today i love a good music festival and you can find all sorts of music festivals across the country spring fall and a little bit uh, spring to fall mm-hmm. uh, but they're big in the summer of course and uh, there's a lot of rock festivals around the united states i mean they're all over the place one two three four days and they all look really fun to me But I saw this announcement for one today, and it's not exactly my kind of music. I don't do all my shopping at Hot Topic. Don't get me wrong. Hot Uh Topic is great, but I don't go there every day. I have bought some band t-shirts, though, from Hot Topic. It's a great channel to get some. Um, It's called this When We Were Young Festival, and it's for one day. And this is like emo rock, right? Oh boy! Uh, there's some. In, I saw some of the bands. There's some indie stuff there as well. It's definitely not. Uh, you know, it's not Gun, Guns and Roses. Isn't going to be at this festival. The Foo Fighters will not be at this festival. The the headliner I see is My Chemical Romance, Paramore, uh, Avril Lavigne, Bring Me the Horizon. Which I I know those bands. I'm not a fan of this genre, but I even know those bands. I'm surprised Avril Lavigne isn't top billing here though. It's a pretty big name, even though she hasn't done much. Lately, so it's probably because My Chemical Romance is there too. Because the last time they played live was at the Shrine in California as part of their reunion concert, and they haven't done anything since. So what Big Steve is saying is he would definitely go mm-hmm. to oh, this hands festival. Down, sounds like a blast. So here's the deal, though: there is sixty-five bands. And I'm like, I look at the lineup, I'm like, oh, man, that's a, it's again, not my music. Right. But for those that like this music, that's a solid three or four day festival. There are even some bands that you you can hear on K-Rock. Pop Evil uh, is in there among a few others, but even some bands I used to even kind of like back in the day. Uh, This is a one day festival. One day in Vegas. 65 bands. And there's a lot of big names in there. Like, it's like they pulled the whole catalog of emo bands 
and throw some money at them. They're like, hey, we're doing this one-day thing. You were cool back in 2005. Let's let's get you in this 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 big one-day festival. And it's like they all agreed to do it. Dashboard Confessionals. I know them, but I couldn't name a song. Taking Back Sunday, of course. Who doesn't know them? Motionless and Light. They're, that's a little heavier. That's a little heavier. Um, I What boggles my mind is I don't understand how they can do this all in one day. Because it's for 12 hours, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., Las Vegas Festival Grounds. I did the math. And if you, you know, 12 hours is a total of 720 minutes. You divide that by 65, each band would get 11 minutes. How many stages? That's the question. I don't know the details. I'm like, if they're if they're like, it's a dueling stage type of thing where they just go back and forth, you barely have time to set up the other band. There's no way they could do that. They're going to have to, they can't stagger the bands. There's going to be bands playing at the same time. And I'm a, if I'm a fan and I want to see half of this lineup, you're not going to see half of the lineup. And, and, there's no way Avril Lavigne is going to do the same 11 minutes as a band like, uh, let's see here. Um, let me let me pick one out here. Wolf Alice. No idea who that is, but Wolf Alice isn't doing the same amount of time as Avril Lavigne. No. I need to know how this works. And by the way, Big Steve, uh, maybe we need to send you to this event uh, and you can, you can uh, give us your live updates from <laughs> Las Vegas, Nevada. It's a Saturday. So we won't have a show, but it's if you get your ticket now, it's two hundred and twenty-five bucks. Yeah, the, for one day. The flip side of that coin is I'd also have to take my wife because she loves a lot oh, of those yeah, bands God. too. So it's uh, more take like life, man. I man, I see the dilemma, man. I, I, well, no, I'm, I'm not saying that is a bad thing. I'm saying ticket price is the is the hindrance here. I don't make that much money, and it's probably like a multiple stage thing, kind of like an EDM festival. Just sell one of your uh, one of your computers. That'll cover the costs, or a kidney, or a kidney. That'll certainly cover the costs. And Ve- it's not like Vegas is that expensive. It can I, be, but I, I'm doing the quick count on Coachella. Spread over three days. Yeah, three days, right? But even on just one single day, the Friday event, there's over forty bands or acts. Wow. That day alone. Kind of makes me feel like Warp Tour all over and, again. And Coachella, well, like Warp Tour used to have three stages, right? And like something one, like that, yeah. One main and like two side. And, and, and a requirement that you weren't moshing. Yes. You, what? It, it was because uh, before they implemented that rule, a lot of people were moshing and a lot of people got hurt and then sued Warp Tour. It's and because like, all eh. these posers act like they're these big metalheads <laughs> and they try to get out there and compete. And mm-hmm. they don't know what they're getting themselves into. Right. I don't disagree. I'm just stating that that was one of the... But, um, you know, I'm trying to remember um, Perry Fuel's uh, event. Why can I not think of... How long ago? Jane's Addiction event. Oh, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that one. The one that really started the, the revamp and larger scale again other than Coachella... Um, back in the early nineties, uh, boy, I don't age. have an, I don't have a uh, beach life festival. That's the only thing I'm seeing pop up here. You're talking one that Jane's addiction started oh, Lollapalooza. They started that. Oh yeah. Wait, Jane's addiction. Really? Yes. Yep. And has Jane's addiction played this festival in, in a while? 
I don't think so. Uh, no. I don't think but, of Jane's Addiction when I think of Lollapalooza. No, it was also about the time he was in Porno for Pyros. Um, so, but no, Lollapalooza was his, his baby. Really? Troy is absolutely correct. You're it talking starting, Dave Navarro. No. no. Who, who in Jane's Addiction started that? Perry. Perry Fuel. In 1991. I've got it pulled up right here. So uh, if, I, wild. if I remember correctly, they had five stages all told the first year. Yeah, it was like a box. Pretty much. You know what? I miss OzFest, and I never went to one. Yeah. Those had some legendary lineups. I could talk music festivals all day. I want to go back in, in, in time and go to Woodstock. I'm talking 69. One of the guys who uh, founded Woodstock passed away over the weekend. Oh, did he? Was he the was he the dirtbag that was on the documentary? <laughs> Give me a moment here. Let me look in. Oh my god, that guy! Because I just passed through my timeline here as I was doing the search for the uh, for the Coachella list. Michael you want to talk Lang. about a misogynistic ding-dong. Michael Lang, famed co-creator of the music festival. He was seventy-seven. Rare form of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Do you have a picture? Can I confirm if it was him? I, oh, he's the cool one. Okay. That's the cool one. That's the guy. Sigh of relief. Yeah, that was uh, that was just the 16. He he was not involved. I, I don't believe he was the one involved with the later ones. You might have to double check, though. But I remember watching a documentary on, on the 69 Woodstock, and he was all over it. Yeah. Like, he was like trying to organize everything. He was talking to the farmer about getting the land and getting that big old field to have this festival and talking to the city, trying to get, I don't know about permits. I don't know if that was exactly the priority number one back then, but trying to get the food flown in uh, for the people that were going hungry. I, I know 69 was complete chaos, but I would love to see that 99 that Woodstock. I have no desire to go back in time. I know there was a lot of great acts back then for that festival, but I have no desire to go back and try to live that thing because it was just hell. No, 93 was at least semi. 94? 94. Was that se- was semi all right. That still had... You, so, had. you had the chili peppers in the mud. That that essentially was the one thing that sticks out to me of, of the 94 edition. But yet, 94 still had peace and love you know it was correct what, what was the tag tagline for the 69 woodstock like peace love something or other it was still kind of the same thing for uh 1990 yeah 94 it, peace love pepsi mtv yeah was that the chili peppers because i know green day went to one of the woodstocks <laughs> they, and had a they were fight. they were on on that was same year same year same okay. year because there's uh, video clips all around about that was while they were touring. Video. They were still touring on Dookie. Yeah, yeah. So that's also fun trivia fact where uh, bassist Mike Durnt got his teeth knocked out, like legitimately yeah. on the stage by a security guy. I think no, ninety nine was Red Hot Chili Peppers because Flea was on stage naked. Well, they were at both. Oh, they were at both. Because mm-hmm. ninety four would have been uh, uh, not Mother's Milk. Um, under the bridge time about that point that they released that album woodstock 99 was when they had like james brown perform at noon (laughs) in 100 degree heat and he's out there like the whole band is out there in suit and tie man talk about another performer i'd love to go back out in time and go see but Vegas, I don't know how you're going to pull this off. This when we were young, yes, obviously that's how you're going to have to pull because 
people my age are the only ones that probably listen to these groups. You know, Big Steve is in that group as well. Nobody too much older than me probably listened to them. And nobody that's probably in high school right now yeah. knows any of these bands. They might know of them, but I wouldn't call them big fans. Blood Sugar Sex Magic. That was the album that Red Hot Chili Peppers were touring mm, in okay. in back of for 94. But they appeared at both 94 and 99. Big Steve, you tell me, has emo rock aged well? Some acts have. Not very many, but only like a handful of them have. Who was the one that just went on tour with Green Day? The um, stadium tour. The stadium tour? Uh, that would have been Fallout Boy. But they kind of changed their sound. They did play some old cuts during that whole tour, but most of it was. Um, oh, that the new that stuff. also annoys me when bands like they. This doesn't happen too often, but there are bands out there. Share is a great example that'll do like a medley of songs, like just kind of take some of their big hits and just, and just jam them, kind of roll like them into a medley. Thing, yeah, because they don't like playing them, but they know the fans want to hear it. Yeah. And that's what Cher does. I'd like to go see Cher, but I don't need to hear just, you know, one minute of Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves. Right. I want the full three <laughs> minutes. Right. All right. We, it's let's the, take it's a break. It's the Las Vegas review of Cher. Let's take a break. Let's do Mitch Palm when we come back. Now, I will say Super Bowl 56 does have a performance I'm actually looking forward to. Like past halftime performances that we've had over the handful of years or so, I just really haven't looked forward to. Like the weekend, couldn't care less. But when you have Dre, Snoop, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, I'm down with that. That'll be fun. Will there be pole dancers? Like we got in Allen Fieldhouse, however. That's what I want to know. Dollar bill machines, baby. Absolutely. We better get a similar show because uh, I tell you what, what Allen Fieldhouse got a couple of years ago, it was kind of legendary. We're still talking about it to this day. First words out of my mouth the next morning when I saw a certain athletic director was, hey, did you see what happened in Lawrence last night? And immediately got a roll of the eyes and a, this will never happen. I'm like, oh, come on. You're saying Snoop wouldn't be good at such and such arena? Who would play like if case <laughs> when Casey does like you know Madness in Manhattan again? Who plays? Who's the musical act? Who's kind of a throwback, wow. but would be you know K State crowd type of show? Cowboy Troy. <laughs> I don't know why that's the God. first that came to my mind. Well, that. that country rap what's bad about it is you're probably pretty spot on too I, I, that's I the was, scary part i was thinking along the lines of luke combs i you know i i was going more up to the moment country but yeah all right big steve let's give the people what they want you've heard of ken palm well that guy here's mitch palm cracks me up every with time tonight's prediction tonight k-state men's basketball Nine and seven with a one and four clip in Big 12 play. They're back on the road against a top 25 opponent as this week is full of top 25 opponents as the Cats are uh, playing in the drum for the last time, taking on number 23, Texas. Do you have something to say about? I I just was going to point out good riddance to the nuclear fallout shelter. 
The super drum. It used to be called the super drum. I don't. They didn't really call that a lot lately. Just the drum. I guess it's not so super anymore. Oh, but, it shows uh, its age. Oof. Never. I've never been. Never been. I obviously I've been to Austin like three times. Hey, but there's there's a lot of dust in those padded seats. Well, because nobody sits in them. That would also be correct. Yes. Let's talk about the Texas Longhorns. Oh, Chris Beard. His team's 13-4 and four with a 3-2 and two record in the conference. Now, three of their four losses have come to ranked teams. They've had a, not the toughest schedule, but they have had to play Gonzaga. Now, their only uh, loss that wasn't by ranked team, Oklahoma State, and that team is 9-7. and seven. And, uh, boy, Texas lost that game 64-51. We'll get to more on that game here in just a moment because there were some factors in that one that I could uh, see if K-State could apply. Interesting game for sure. But Texas has won five straight against the Cats. Six of the last seven meetings against K-State have been won by Texas. Here we go. Mitch Palm, content number one. The Longhorn Network. Oh, my God. This game is back on the Longhorn Network. We usually have to deal with it about once a year. Sometimes the game is like on ESPN2 when Mm -hmm. it's down in Austin. But when the uh, Longhorn Network launched in August of 2011... K-State and Texas have played six times on the Longhorn Network. The record is 3-3. Three and three. So there you go. you got to push. you got to push to start some Mitch Palm. Now, how about this? I thought this was interesting. Mitch Palm likes this a lot. Last year, Texas Tech beat K-State 73-62, an 11-point loss for the Cats. Well, three days later, K-State then played Texas. And lost by three, 80 to 77. Well, you know what? This year, K State beat Texas Tech 62 51, an 11 point win. And guess who they're playing three days later? The Texas Longhorns. How about that? <laughs> Works out funny sometimes, doesn't it? Maybe an advantage for K State. You never know how these things work out. Now, Round Rock, Texas. Mm-hmm. The home of Deuce Vaughn. Well, you know, for Mitch Palm and for myself, Mitch Fortner, Deuce Vaughn is hashtag my boy. <laughs> Deuce Vaughn grew up 18 miles north of Austin, Texas. Well, Deuce Vaughn didn't even get an offer from Texas, didn't get an offer from the state of Texas. He comes to K-State. He's been killing it. He's an All-American. And you know what? Round Rock, you could call that a nickname for a basketball, couldn't you? Advantage. K-State, just another advantage that Mitch Mitch Palm is able to find. How about another advantage for K-State tonight? Let's go to the famous alumni for Texas. Now, there are a lot of notable alum for for Texas. Matthew McConaughey obviously stands out the top guy. He's around everything Texas. Even, I'm going to air quote here, Big Steve, teaches... Mm-hmm. at Texas, Minister of Culture there. Will he be on the bench? Well, he hasn't done that in quite some time. I would doubt it. But I'm not looking at Matthew McConaughey. I'm not looking at Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm not uh, looking at uh, Renee Zellweger. Big fan of hers, but we're not going that way. Mitch Palm loves some Renee Zellweger. You had Mitch Palm at hello. <laughs> now, what Mitch Palm did notice is that, uh, boy, Texas is way too political. No. Mitch Palm hates politics. Doesn't like politicians. Doesn't like government. 
But did you know Texas oh, out. Mitch is, an anarchist. is a top 10 in the country for political science? And when Mitch Palm was looking at famous alumni for Texas, just saw list after list after list, congressmen, representatives, governors, other types of politicians. Well, Mitch Palm thinks they all suck. Advantage K-State. <laughs> These two teams met up a little over a, a month ago. Not even. Not, what, I'm sorry. What, what, am I even, what am I even talking about? It wasn't even a month ago. It was like three weeks ago. Yeah, 14 days. Oh, so two weeks ago. There you go. It's all a blur after Houston. Come on, Mitch Palm, do better. All right, yes. Two weeks ago, these two teams met up. It wasn't that long ago. Texas won the first meeting, 70-57. to 57. But, you know, K-State led by six at the break. The Wildcats had just eight available players, seven get their school for free. And that was because they were out because of health and safety protocol with COVID-19. K-State did not have Marquise Noel. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about Marquise Noel, who's 11th in the Big 12 in scoring, second in assists, second in assist to turnover ratio, first in steals. That's a kind of a big piece you're missing from your team. Also, Carlton Lingard was the only five available. Still a little surprised he's not getting a few minutes in a game. And um, Texas was also missing Andrew Jones. That was a key piece they were missing as well. He's somebody who's averaging 11 a game this year. Now, if I were to call out one player... Mitch Palm calls out one player for this game. I will look at Andrew Jones for this one. He's averaging 20 points, 5 rebounds in a little over 30 minutes in the last two games. So he is the hot hand right now. Now, Jones also in the last couple of games, he's hitting 52% of his shots. He's hit uh, 6 of his 12 threes. He's near perfect from the free throw line. A hot hand. Does that hot hand continue tonight? Also, you know, Texas just... They're not fantastic on offense. Mm-mm. They're much more better on defense, but offensively, they're eighth in scoring. They're kind of middle of the pack when it comes to shooting the basketball percentage-wise. But in that first meeting, K-State really let one go because they let Texas be too good on offense. The Longhorn offense scored the first eight points at a halftime after they were down six. They went on an 18-2 run early in that second half, and K-State only shot 22% from the floor. They let the defense, K-State let the defense get to them. Were they getting a little bit winded? Possibly with the with the short the short bench. But Texas is a top-scoring defense in the Big 12. They only allow 54 points a game. But you know what? K-State is a little bit better in a field goal percentage defense. They're the best when it comes to three-point field goal defense. There's a lot of things you can look at both sides and think, okay, actually that's quite interesting. Advantage for K-State, advantage for Texas. It just it's kind of odd how things can clash, but it does come down when it comes to Mitch Palm to a couple of factors. The big one is turnovers. When Texas is losing, they turn over the basketball. It has been an issue in some games for them this year. In Texas's three Big 12 wins, the Longhorns only cough up the basketball 9.7 times a game. In their two league losses, Texas has averaged 17 turnovers in those two losses. And again, one of them to Oklahoma State. The Cowboys forced 20 turnovers in this game. And here is a monster factor tonight with Mitch Palm for K-State. The Cats have to turn over Texas. They have to be a better defensive team, force Texas into mistakes, 
and you have to capitalize on the mistakes. The whole reason, in Mitch Palm's opinion, that Iowa State this past weekend beat Texas is because they forced 20 turnovers Mm -hmm. and were able to score 23 points off of those turnovers. That was huge because Texas was still shooting the ball at a pretty decent clip, over 40%. This goes back to your point about Marquise Noel not being available the first time. So K-State didn't have him defensively, specifically, to help them get turnovers. The two teams combined for 12 turnovers in the game. Yes, six each. total. Six each. Six each. Yeah, so K-State did a good job of taking care of the ball, but just didn't shoot well in the second half. Meanwhile, they did not do enough to turn over the Texas Longhorns. Now, this is the last game of the drum K-State er, for K-State. The Cats can play spoiler when that last one there in downtown Austin in their, their uh, current confines. But here's the deal. T- K-State is getting absolutely disrespected by Vegas and by Ken Palm. Vegas has Texas as a 10.5-point favorite. Meanwhile, Ken Palm is only giving K-State a 19% chance of winning this game. And they say Texas 67-57. Now, Mitch Palm isn't always about calling for upsets. But Mitch Palm knows, and we mentioned this on the show yesterday, it's put-up-or-shut-up time for K-State. This is the night to prove that you belong. Top 25 matchup on the road, coming off of a a win over a top 25 team in number 19, Texas Tech. Mitch Palm is giving K-State a 42% chance of winning tonight. Does have a close loss, but don't be shot if K-State finds a way to pull off the win tonight. The prediction, Mitch Palm has K-State falling by the final score 66-63. to But again, upset alert, I think it's a fair discussion. I think it's fair now that K-State is to full strength against a team that they weren't full strength against Mm -hmm. when they had seven scholarship players. I don't really love looking at that as an excuse, but you can't help but look at what K-State was missing, Marquise Noel, who's going to do just about everything for you, and how big was he against Texas Tech? Mm -hmm. Obviously he's needed if you want to pull off a win like beating the Texas Longhorns. I'm out of here. Troy's taken over. You've all been warned. You've all been warned. The substitute teacher is in. What is he going to talk about? I don't know. It could get weird. I left him a number one song. It's up to him if he wants to use it. But I'm going to go call some Manhattan High basketball. That starts at 6 on NewsRadioKman.com. It's online only at Topeka High. It's girls only. And uh, from 4 to 6, I guess I'll talk to you tomorrow. Game continues on News Radio KMAN. Troy Coverdale sitting in. All of our talk in the last segment regarding Mitch Palm and the Cats versus Texas coming up tonight. 7:30 tip time. 6:30 for the coverage here on News Radio KMAN. There's actually a Big 12 game already underway this afternoon. That in Morgantown, West Virginia, trailing. Number 5, Baylor, 33-28, 307 to play first half. We'll keep an eyeball on that as we go into the next hour. I came across something the other day that you don't think much about until starting to compare 
the discussion about name image likeness in college athletics at this point to some of what went on in the oh the waning days of the old southwestern conference eric dickerson has a memoir coming out is it a highly anticipated one one of the best running backs of all time in college and pro football yes okay very i'm interested in it all right especially given the discussions that center around his college time at smu that got made into a 30 for 30 oh pony express day they it was him and craig james as the two running backs of course smu got the death penalty right because of the boosters involvement in paying players at the time one of the side stories to this, Dickerson actually addresses this in the memoir, and D Magazine ran with this this week, uh, just the full excerpt from the book, and it gets into how Eric Dickerson wound up with a gold Trans Am before he even set foot on campus. Really? Like, are we talking like real gold or like... like- gold, gold. Paint. Gold paint. Okay. Gold painted Trans Am. That would look so ugly. I'm not I'm, I'm sorry. That would look bad. He liked it. Really? I mean, I guess to each their own. Happened to mention to his dad, his stepdad, in passing that he really liked the looks of that car. I liked it. The bird on the hood, the fins on the side, how sleek it was. This is direct from his memoir now. It was an innocent comment. Under normal circumstances, I wouldn't have remembered even saying it. But recruiting isn't a normal circumstance, and before I knew it, I was talking to the big A&M booster in town. We can make that happen, he said. For years, it has been rumored that Dickerson got that car because of A&M. Of course, the ultimate irony is that he wound up not even going to A&M. Right. Staff at the dealership tells him to pick any car on the lot. Made a couple phone calls. Had his grandmother sign the title paperwork. And it was his. And it was his. He had his pick of a Corvette or three Trans Ams, black, silver, and gold. I liked the gold one, he says. Surprised he didn't go with the Corvette. But wait. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that look you just gave me. All right, lay it lay it down. So the gist of it is A&M was paying grandma under the table. Okay. They were giving her the money to pay for the car. Oh. Is how they filtered this. So, yes, Eric Dickerson has confirmed one of the legends of recruiting is true for what we all knew. Texas A&M bought him the gold Trans Am <laughs> that he showed up at high school football games in. That's awesome. He says he didn't know it at the time. Really? Learned it when he was already in the pros and asked his mom. <laughs> Comment, at the time I wasn't trying to look a gift horse in the mouth, but I didn't need to know everything. I mean, to be completely fair... You know, around that age, if you're getting a free car and you don't have to do anything and, you know, you just started driving, you're just still in your teens, like, 
Like, you're not going to ask too many questions. Be like, I'm getting a free car and it's brand new off the lot. Sign me up. The only thing I knew was that I was driving home the finest car by far of any kid in Sealy, Texas, uh-huh. white or black. I'll never forget peeling out of the lot, feeling the engine underneath me, the new car smell, the vinyl dashboard, and the 8-track player I was going to play my Commodores and Isley Brothers on. <laughs> that is tremendous. Of course, when I showed up at school, it became huge news. A couple days later, my cousin and I pulled up to a restaurant, got out of the car. A photographer snapped the picture of us, and the car wound up in the Houston Post the next day. That seems about right. He then adds that there was pressure right behind that from A&M that he needed to commit. Mm. So he gave verbal commitment. But his heart was never really into it. He didn't want to go to A&M. He wound up at SMU. He addresses the urban legend behind it. That angry A&M boosters destroyed the car after he wound up at SMU. Oh. Not true. Oh, okay. He drove it for his first few years at SMU, then sold it to his best friend. By that time, thanks to an SMU booster, he was driving a Corvette. Okay, there's the Corvette. There's the Corvette. <laughs> that, there was that, hold on a sec. Yeah, the, the, the Corvette makes an appearance again. All right. <laughs> thanks to an SMU booster. Ladies and gentlemen, we have given you one of the multiple reasons why the Southwest Conference doesn't exist anymore. And why name image likeness is such an interesting beast for discussion in college football. Because essentially, well, the 80s, 70s and 80s, especially in the Southwest Conference, were the literal wild, wild west. Oil money and every school save for Arkansas was based in Texas. That's a heck of a way to uh, play the game. Yeah. And now you also can understand why we've seen the major separation between the schools, who's power five and who's not, after the breakup of the old Southwest Conference. Right. But the, the, the key thing, and I will argue these two points till my dying day, that the two things that changed college football forever— come down to the death penalty for SMU, which will never happen again, but essentially drove the Southwest Conference out of business right? and in the process created the Big 12. Yeah. And away we went. The other thing was the Oklahoma Board of Regents versus NCAA as it pertained to televised college football and who held the rights to sell and to sign contracts with the TV networks. Right. At the time, the NCAA did the assigning, and we were limited to a handful of games a weekend. Mm -hmm. One game on ABC, one game on CBS, one game on NBC. And, oh, there was this interloper called ESPN that was starting to make an appearance. TBS had a game. I mean, that's where KUK State appeared for the first time. Really? was on TBS. I didn't know that. First time that they had lights at the stadium. Had to bring him in for a temporary. Wow. Um, so you get the point that those are the two things that I, I argue are your starting point to where college football is today. 
everything after those two things in the mid '80s, and then here we has are. just grown from there. Yeah. Has just grown from there, and in some ways, you could say, well, it didn't start with, but definitely had its roots in things like a gold Trans Am for Eric Dickerson, <laughs> right, from Texas A and M. You, you would think, like in hindsight, they'd probably go back and probably do things differently nowadays. Like if they had a chance to redo all that again. Do you do you probably. know how boosters operate? <laughs> <laughs> I do, okay, but I want to see the humanity here, okay? I want to give them the benefit of a doubt, even though they probably don't deserve it, okay? Uh, do you know how boosters operate around? Yeah, the, yeah. I know they're mm-hmm. they're like the lowest of the low. It's like ticket scalpers it, at a music concert. Well, okay, all right? all right. Let's not say all boosters are like that. We know better. But there are those who try to influence, yeah, and, and that's the challenge of athletic departments keeping that influence, right, at arm's length. And but NIL is is a whole new beast that kind of brings it full circle, and you go, well, is it that much difference than Eric Dickerson getting a gold Trans Am before he ever committed to Texas A and M? We'll close out hour one of the game when we continue in a moment. Closing in on the top of the hour on the game, a news update coming up. As we continue on a Tuesday edition, Mitch headed over to Topeka for Manhattan High Girls basketball tonight against Topeka High. Online only here on NewsRadioKMAN.com as we finish up the game. Coming up in the next hour, we'll talk about the latest movement in the transfer portal for Kansas State. Positive news. Plus... The Big 12 has officially begun discussions on just how they may break down divisions starting in 2023 with the addition of the four new schools, BYU, Cincinnati, Central Florida, and Houston, plus the fact that as of right now, all signs point to Oklahoma and Texas still remaining members until the 2025 season gets underway. It would be a mandatory split into divisions for football by NCAA rule, and we'll discuss that and give you some thoughts that are at least beginning to take shape with divisions and how they may look for the 2023 football season and beyond. Also, in the next hour... We'll hit the number one song. And there's some Ask Us Anything in there as well. Yep, got a few questions ready to go. I'm not sure how to take the one. Anyway, um, (laughs) and for good measure, we'll probably touch on the current general manager of the Texans styling himself as a assistant coach, oversight coach, I'm not sure how to position this, but we'll talk about it a little in the next half hour because apparently the GM is doing a little more with the headsets on than what your normal GM will do Really, at the NFL level. An interview today pointing that out. We will get some thoughts on that all coming up in our next hour ahead of Hoops Tonight. Here on News Radio KMANK State and Texas, 6:30 the coverage, 
And again, that Manhattan High girls game coming up at 6 online tonight.